0: So we're going to continue our fellowship uh, message. I want to read from the book of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. It says, And those who gladly received his word, Peter's word, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. Amen? So we start talking last week about, you know, the three things that the early church gave special attention to. And the first one that we discussed was the Apostles' Doctrine and, and the Fellowship, which the Apostles' Doctrine is teaching about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Fellowship is partnering with one another in life. They gave special attention to breaking of bread, which is Communion and in prayer, coming together corporately to pray and to worship God. and As we enter into this season where God is saying to us, draw near to one another, we too would be wise to give special attention to those things, that we give special attention to the Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship, breaking of bread, and corporate prayer. Amen? So last week we start to discuss what the apostles doctrine was. It was once again, the teaching of about Jesus Christ and his kingdom, because it's not enough to just have faith in Jesus. You have to know who he is. You can call on Christ for salvation and never know who he is. And there's a danger in that. God is interested in entering into relationship with us right? It's like people, oh yeah, I I go to church. Well, who cares, right? You can go to the gym, but if you don't lift any weights or run on a treadmill, it does no good for you. And so you can go to church, but if you're not entering into relationship with Christ and applying his word, it does you no good, right? So we have to have this relationship, this intimate relationship with Christ. And so I wanna look at why it's so important for us to have it. And Jesus tells it to us pretty plainly and, and frankly, it's sobering to hear his words in Matthew chapter seven, starting in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven For many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, or I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is a sobering verse, right? Because these are people who are obviously being used by God. And Jesus is saying, but I, I, I never knew you. Depart from me, right? This might be hard to wrap your mind around. I know when I read this, it's like, oh my goodness. You know, this is, this is kind of scary stuff, but it really isn't if you know him. Because what Jesus is saying is that if you don't know him, you're not really saved. If you just cried out, you prayed some prayer one Sunday morning and, and you went on living your life the way you want to live or you, know, you prayed some prayer with somebody and you, you never entered into true fellowship and relationship with Christ, you, you may not really be saved. I know we don't really want to talk about that but it's the truth. I can't, I'm telling you, it, I'll, I'll give you my story. Freshman year in college, I come home for spring, uh, from Christmas break. I go over to my high school English teacher's house. He's a, he's a pastor and he, he preaches the gospel to me, man. And I felt convicted. I got saved in his living room because I just knew I'm going to hell, right? I was good for about a week and a half. I went to see this movie I won't name the movie, and it was filthy, like the language was filthy, but it was hilarious. And so I start start quoting the, 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 the words from that movie, and before you knew it, I went back to living the way I was living. I go back to school for second semester. I went back to doing what I was doing. I'm not saved. I prayed some prayer, and a man, sincerely prayed a prayer, Doc. But I never went further than that prayer in starting to know Jesus. I never went further in that prayer in my obedience to him and my commitment to him. So I wasn't saved. And I think it's dangerous the way we teach salvation in the church in America in this day and age. Where it's like, oh, you can say this prayer and you're fine. No, you have to live for Christ. You have to walk with Christ. You have to know Christ. So what Jesus is saying here, we break this down in verse 21 when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. What is that? He's saying a confession alone is not enough. Right. Right. Come on. You can't just confess that Jesus is Lord and then not, never allow him to be Lord. Right. Does that make sense? Confession alone is not enough. His lordship must inhabit our lifestyles so that he can say, don't do that. you're the Lord. okay, I stop where he can say like he did for me when I got saved, all my music I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the house. I used to stay up late like I'd stay up till 3:30 four o'clock in the morning um, and I remember sitting there watching TV and just flipping through nothing but infomercials, right? It's like, man, I got to find something to watch. And I heard, not audibly, but just in my spirit, I heard the Lord say, get rid of all of your music. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I think that's God. So I was like, tomorrow I'll pack it up. I'm going to take it to the, because that was back in the days where you had them t- places you could take your CDs and resell them, right? I had a lot, man. I was, I'm going to make some little money on this. And the Lord said, no, destroy it because you don't need to corrupt anyone else with it. So I called Stacy. We were engaged at the time. She was living in Wisconsin. I was in Texas. I called her. It's three o'clock in the morning. Why are you calling? Because God just told me to get rid of this music, to destroy it. And I need to tell you so that tomorrow when you wake up, you call me and ask me if I did it. So I packed it up. I needed accountability, man. I packed it up. I took it to uh, the back of a grocery store. I don't know if, I'm, if this is legal or not, but it's, it's past the, what they call that statute of limitations. I think it's past that. <laughs> so, so I took it and I dumped it in the trash compactor because I figured they, that's all going to get smashed up and it's going to be destroyed, right? Because he's Lord of my life. And if he's saying, get that out of your life, I don't care how much you love it. I don't care how valuable it is. I've got to get rid of it. And so we can't confess Jesus, your Lord, and then never allow him to be Lord. That's what he's saying. Many will say, Lord, Lord. But that doesn't mean you're entering into the kingdom just because you have the right verbiage. I'm looking at the heart. Amen powerful works done in the name of Jesus is not enough it's not proof that you know him right well well pastor they prayed and this person got healed so well if they were saved then that, then then God wouldn't listen Jesus's name works because it's Jesus's name not because of who's using it a fool can use the name of Jesus and it can work right Because his name is powerful. We have to understand the scripture when it talks about the name of Jesus, it means the character and authority. It's not just saying Jesus. In fact, when you pray and you say in Jesus' name, what you're saying is in the character and authority of Jesus, I'm praying this. Not in my own character, not in my own authority, not in my name, because demons don't pay attention to the name of Charles Butler. They pay attention to the name of Jesus Christ the character and authority of Christ. And so in his name, anyone can do great works because of the character and authority of Jesus. But that in itself is not proof that you have relationship. Does that make sense? It's because it's the name. It's the name, Eddie. The name that is above every name. At that name, name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord. Even those who pierced him, even those who don't submit to him, even the demons will cry out one day that Jesus is Lord. So confession, confessing, saying the right thing, having the right verbiage, and then doing great works in the name of Jesus is not proof that you know him. It's not enough. Amen? Amen. Now that might be hard to understand or, or receive because we're thinking, well, my goodness, then how do we ever know that we really know him? Well, he tells us that too in verse 21. So let's read it again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. So proof that a person or that you yourself really know Jesus is found in your obedience to his word. And not just the scripture, because I don't care how much you study the Bible. You're never going to find in the scripture where the Lord says, and Charles Butler is to throw away and destroy his music in 2020 or 2001. That's not in there. That was a word he spoke to me, right? Right? And so it's not enough to just obey the written word. You need to obey the rhema word where God's speaking to you as well. Now, here's the problem that a lot of us have. It's not that we wanna be disobedient. It's that we don't really believe that we're hearing from God, right? Right? Well, I, I, I think that's just me. Or, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure if that's God. Man, listen, you need to start acting on that because that's what I did, right? That's how I learned to hear the word of God is I thought I heard him and instead of asking for five different signs that that was you, Lord, right? Because there was a period of time where I did that and there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but you gotta grow up to the point where it's just like, nah, I think that's God. And so I'm going to obey that. And here's the great thing, is when you obey the when you obey what you think is God. If you're wrong, if it wasn't Him, there's grace for that. He'll cover it. Right? He'll absolutely cover it. No, nah, that wasn't me, bro. But I got you. I'm gonna work it out. But there's a danger in sitting around waiting and praying for signs and wonders and miracles just so you can. Obey what you know that it is the Lord saying. Now, here's the deal. As you start to obey the word, then his voice becomes more familiar. Right? The more you start to obey what you hear him saying to you in your spirit or what he's revealed to us in his written word, the more clear his voice becomes. But I can't have a disobedient lifestyle and then then think that I'm going to hear from God super clearly. I have to know him. And proof that I know him, Johanna, is that I obey his word. Amen? Amen? So, genuine relationship with the Lord is expressed in our obedience. The greater you love him, the more obedient you will become. The more obedient that you become, the more intimate the relationship. Now, also, in the more obedient you become and the more intimate the relationship, the greater accountability you will have also. Right? Moses strikes the rock when the Lord says, speak to it. And the Lord says, you're not going into the promised land. It's like, man, Lord, like, that's like, is that kind of overboard? The Lord is saying, no, I speak to him face to face. For you, it might be overboard because you're still trying to figure out my my voice. So your your disobedience in that way would not maybe be as severe of a punishment or, or a consequence, I should say. But, but Moses, I speak to him face to face. I've used him to overthrow the most powerful nation on the planet. I, I use him to part the Red Sea. He knows my voice. He knows me. So that when I say speak to it, he can't get in an emotional rage because the people are driving him nuts and strike it out of frustration. Right. So it's one of those things where we're saying, oh, Lord, more of you. Right. We just prayed. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Flood this place. Fill the atmosphere. Then get ready to be more obedient to his word. Get, get ready to be more obedient to his voice. Because when his presence really starts to come and flood our lives, the requirement is greater levels of obedience. And if you're just playing, then don't sing that song. Stand there. Don't even clap to it. Don't hum it. None of that. Just stand there. In fact, go to the bathroom at that time. Because I don't want you sitting at the house thinking those lyrics and you ain't really committed to obeying God. Because there's consequences to him coming into our lives and, and, and revealing himself to us. And then we're like, yeah, but, yeah, but, I, you know, I, I, I want to live my way. I want to do what I want to do. Not only that, I want you, God, to accept it and just overlook it because you love me. When Jesus has said, well, if you love me, obey me. Right, there's that book, The Love Languages. I think there's five of them, right? Uh, Jesus' love language is obedience. Jesus also expressed his love for the Father through obedience, right? And so how can we obey the one that we're worshiping if we don't even know him? This is important subject this is an important topic we don't in america we don't like to hear obedience it sounds restrictive well here's the deal some restriction is good Amen. right we're almost and hear me out when i say this we're almost too free in america we have almost too much freedom so that almost anything goes right hey you feel like you feel like you're a boy and you're you're a female okay right? You feel like you're a cat, we'll put litter boxes into schools. It's called furries. If you haven't, I was telling someone about this, they're like, man, whatever. I said, just, just look it up. Just look it up. And he's like, no, that's, that's happening in these big cities where they're super, lit. that's happening in Appleton. The city of Appleton sent a letter at the start, of the, the school district sent a letter to the parents at the start of the year explaining, we're going to have this in our schools. My, my. Right? Yeah. I remember I was, I was asked to speak at UWO and uh, and I was, uh, I was waiting to go into the room where I was, and I heard like some woman walking down. I'm like, I don't know this woman is because you know when you women wear them heels it announces you're coming like a minute and a half before you get there right man I'll be like my goodness either she's like late for class or whatever the di- and I hear this one and there's they're getting closer and closer so I'm like let me see who this lady is I turn Come on now. I saw a dude with a full beard about 6'6 wearing a dress and high heels I said, Lord, what is going on here? This, what is going on here? Right? It's like we're too free in America. I know I might have just offended some of you. That's okay. You need to check your heart, not mine. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at these people. I'm saying we need to pray for them. They need help. Yeah. And when we are crying out for more of God, but we refuse to obey, we're not gonna get what we want. But when his presence comes into our lives, then we have to line up. I can't do the things the world does. I can't agree with the things that the world agrees with. When God convicts me about something, I need to make a change, right? Because confessing he is Lord, but not living as, is, as he's Lord, it, it benefits me nothing. Right. So our refusal to do the will of God will negatively impact our relationship with the Lord. Some of you are not serious or satisfied with where you are, or maybe you're, let me put it this way, some of you are discontent with, with the relationship you have with the Lord. Check your obedience. That might be a good place to start. When I come through, when I'm in dry seasons, I start at, I repent, Lord. Now, there are just dry seasons that you have. But it's like, have I led myself into this place? Or is this a station that God has me because he's trying to teach me something? But it's always good to start at repentance. Right? Right? I want to reread verses 22 and 23, and then then we're going to move on. Um, Jesus says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name, done many works or many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And I I, I wanted to reread that is because we need to check our own fruit and we need to check the fruit of those who are trying to come into our lives who appear to be Christians. Now I'm not telling you to be super skeptical and all this other kind of stuff, but we're talking about fellowship. And so if I'm going to enter into fellowship with someone, I need to check the fruit because Jesus says, you can do all these great things in my name, but I never knew you. Right? Right? and then we're going to partner with them, then we're unequally yoked again. And just because they put in Jesus' name on it doesn't mean that we're equally yoked now. Because there's many motives through, for which people do the things that they do. I remember at the church, when we had the church in Kimberly, there was a lady on our worship team who I was, I was, I was, um, I, I start to realize she's up there for the wrong reason. She wants to be seen she wants praise, you know, this. So I told our worship leader, I said, hey, don't give her any more solos, right? Don't, don't let give her any more solos. Well, well, trust me, don't give her any, she's up there for the wrong reasons. So after about two weeks, she approaches our worship leader. Why haven't you given me any solos lately? I should be, I said, I told you. Her motives were to be seen that's the reason why she. Would, and listen, there's people preaching the gospel because they want to be seen, or because they need praise from man, or, or maybe it's even they want money, right? So before we enter into fellowship with people, we need to check the fruit, and start from a place of grace and, and understanding that they're human, so they're not going to be perfect. But when that fruit, you see it as bad then you might not want to fellowship, partner with them. I'm not saying not to have relationship and not to, you know, be friends, and this, but you don't want to partner your life. You don't want to yoke your life up to theirs. Does that make sense? Amen. Let's move to some more positive stuff. So work is good, but knowing the one for whom we work is essential. Jesus himself said as much. I want to read Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Familiar verse, verses and story to most of us, but I want to read it. It's very powerful. In Luke 10, starting in verse 38, it says, Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet from her, right? So knowing the one for whom we work is essential. That's what Jesus is telling us here. He's like, Martha, listen, you're doing a good work, right? But Mary has chosen the better part. To sit at his feet is is a sign of worship. To sit at his feet and listen, I'm, I'm listening to him. I'm getting to know him. I'm not just serving him, over here, and never listening to his voice, never slowing down enough to hear him and to fellowship with him. And you see the condition of Martha, right? Because Jesus says in verse 41, let's put it back up there. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Worried means anxious. Yeah. And troubled means disturbed. Well, why is it? Because she's 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 caught up in the work. And forsaking the fellowship, the, the relationship, the intimacy, the knowing of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we fall into that, right? Where we're, we're working to be good enough when it's like, no, stop. You don't have to be good enough. You have to know him. And he will make you good enough. Right? Right? But we can get caught up in working to prove that I'm good enough or to to earn what you think or, or what you think is earning your salvation, even though we know you can't. But but we subconsciously get engaged in that. And that, I believe that's where Martha is. That's the reason why she's in this place of anxiety and, dis, and being disturbed is because she's she's working and working and working and not spending the time she needs to in fellowship with the Lord. Now, if you have anxiety, I'm not saying that that's your situation. People get anxiety for a lot of different reasons, right? So don't like extrapolate this onto yourself and get offended because I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about this situation here with Martha. That's it, right? That when we get to this place where we're just working and we're neglecting the fellowship with our Lord, things don't go right. And it's like, but Lord, I'm, I'm doing all, yes, yes, that's good that you're doing, but I want you to be in my presence. Where's Mark's not here, but I love how Mark, he says, we're not human doings, we're human beings, right? Like, like, let me just be in the presence of my Lord and he'll work out all this other stuff that is going on in our lives. Amen. Amen. So he says in verse 42, one thing is needed. Well, what is that? Obviously, worship and intimacy with Christ. And I'm not taking that away from Mary, from Mary, Martha, so she could come help you serve. She's chosen the right thing. Think about that. Now we all can get to this place where we're totally consumed with work for God and neglecting the fellowship with God. Yeah, that's good. And it's like I tell our leadership team, your ministry should come out of the overflow of the time you spent with God, not out of the resources that you need for yourself. That's, right. that's equivalent to me taking food off of my table to feed the next family and upset with God that my kids are malnutrition. Nu- right. that, that food was for you and your family. Give from your abundance, not from your lack or from your own resources that are supposed to be used for you. And we can get to that place if we're not careful, where we get so consumed with doing what we think God has called us to do and neglecting our fellowship time with him. And then we burn out or we quit early. Or unfortunately for some people, they backslide. Right? Right? One thing is needed. Mary has chosen it and it's not going to be taken away from her to help you serve. You're doing a great job, Martha, but you need to take a break from all that work and come fellowship with me. There's more about me that I want to reveal to you. There's more about me that you need for your next level and your new season, right? Like, think about that. We all go through, life is cyclical. And if we're not spending that time in fellowship with Christ, we're not going to have the word of the Lord for that season that we're coming into. And what we're going to do is we're going to take an old mindset into a new season, and that don't work, right? Right? I can't go into my senior year in high school with the third grade mentality. It's going to be weird for everybody, right? And I'm not going to pass. And spiritually, we can be in that place because we're too consumed. We're over-consumed with working and not spending enough time in the Lord. Now, listen, if you're working, serving, ministering, whatever it is. Don't quit because I, pastor said I need to spend more. No, there needs to be a balance here. I hate having to make disclaimers like this, but I have to. Right. There needs to be a balance. I'm not, Jesus isn't saying to Martha, stop working. He's saying, no, your sister has chosen a good part. It's not going to be taken away from her, right? Come get some of this. There's always going to be work to do, Right? Come get some of this. Your work will be more efficient. It'll be more powerful, right? Your ministry will be more powerful. Your, 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 your job, you'll have more success, right? Your, your children will be more fruitful. Your marriage will be better, right? right. I mean, Stacey and I, we're going through a rough time, and, and, and I'm saying to the Lord, like, what is going on here? And the Lord says to me, like, your pride. I was sharing this with the men yesterday. It's your pride. I'm like, Lord, I... Pride. Where, I'm I'm not going to say I'm humble, right? Because that in itself sounds prideful. But I don't, where is there pride in me? And he said, no, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Not pride like I'm the man and blah, blah, blah. But just pride, you're too prideful to tell her when this happened, your feelings were hurt. And it's like, oh Lord, forgive me. All this that I'm experiencing is because I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm too prideful to go say to my wife, I'm hurt. Forgive me. So I went and told my wife, I'm, I'm hurt. When this happened, it, it hurt my feelings. And for a split second, I felt like a chump. I'll be honest with you, because I was raised, this is what my father always told me, be a man and not a mouse. Stop crying, right? I'll never say that to my boys or any young man. It's okay to have emotions and to feel emotional and to be honest and express those emotions, right? And so I had to humble myself and just admit that I was hurt. And since I've done that, it's like there's an understanding that came because really what that was keeping me from doing was having this conversation with my wife so that she could say, no, you took that the wrong way. This is what I meant. And then it's like, oh my goodness, like, I, like it's been two, three weeks. If I would have just humbled myself and came to you and said, we could have avoided all this, right? But if I'm just caught up in work, I'm just gonna work harder, I'm just gonna, you know, whatever, I'm not hearing his voice and I may still be in that place. This is, a, this is serious, church. Yep. This whole concept of fellowshipping with the Lord and not being overly consumed with confession and, and work, but actually spending time in his presence so that I can obey, so that I can get closer to him and my ears be more open to his voice. And now I can live that abundant, fruitful life that he died and rose for me to live. Right. You, you see the chain reaction that is there? not enough to just know that he's Lord. It's not enough to just know that he's Savior. It's not enough to just know that he died on the cross and rose from the grave. I have to know him. Knowing that he's Lord and Savior is just the starting point. Now I've got to enter into relationship with my Lord and Savior so that my life can truly be transformed. Amen. I love how the Apostle Paul's life has changed because of him knowing the Lord. You know, think about this: that Paul's whole life was tied up in religion and and tradition and culture and uh, national pride as a as an Israelite, and he thinks he's doing the will of God by taken into prison and even, you know, participating in the stoning of disciples of Jesus Christ. See, that's that's one of the dangers of not knowing him. Is you can go with what you think is right, right? right. And not know that you're actually working against the move of God mm-hmm. and the very thing that you've been praying for. Right. And so Paul is this man who He's, he's casting people into prison and he's on his way to Damascus with a letter from the high priest to arrest and throw in prison any man, woman or child that is that is what we would call a Christian. And on his way, on a road in Damascus, the Lord shows up, knocks him off of his horse and, and, and he says, who are you, Lord? And I, I really believe that Paul is saying, I thought I knew who God was. Who are you? right? Like the power that I just encountered is not the power that I thought I was in fellowship with. So who are you Lord? And he's like, I'm Jesus. The one whom you're persecuting. And I love Paul's response. What do you want me to do? Right? And he says, go, you know, go and you'll be told what to do. So he's, he's without his sight for three days and he He's praying, and in a vision, he sees a man named Ananias coming in, lay hands on him, and he receives his sight back. So the Lord shows up to Ananias and says, go to the street and inquire of a, of a man named uh, Paul or Saul at the time and uh, pray for him. And Ananias is like, "Lord, I, I know who this dude is. He's bad news, right? Like, he, like, like let me remind you, Jesus, who this guy is, because obviously you haven't heard. And the Lord said, no, he's a servant of mine and he's seeing how many things he must suffer for my name. So Ananias goes in, prays for him, he receives his sight and it says that immediately, you know, Paul began to preach Christ in the synagogue, Acts chapter 9, verse 20, that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. So when we know the Lord, our lives are so dramatically transformed that we live different and others began to testify about the transformation that has happened. Right? right. right. I remember I met, uh, you know, on Facebook and social media, you connect with people you knew back in the day, right? And, and this one uh, girl says to me like, so were you faking like a jerk in college? And I was like, "No, I was a jerk then and I'm a real Christian now. You know, like both were, were true and genuine. I was an absolute jerk back then. That was fully me. And I had no shame in it, right? Because life was all about me. And so you were just someone or something that I could use to get what I want. That's how I was. But then I encountered Jesus on February 20th, 2001. And everything changed. I'm not perfect. There's still some of that old dude in me. And it's like, Lord, keep killing him day by day. Keep killing that joker, because I don't like him. But I'm so much further than I was. So where now there's people who knew me back then, and even in high school, it's just like, I I just can't believe you. I'm like, tell me about it, bro. (laughs) Me either. I can't believe it. right? I remember the first time I went to Africa on a mission trip, and I was there about three days, and I'm standing there, we're in this village and we're doing outreach and you look down this little street and you see like this, not necessarily a mountain, but just this big hill. And I'm like, I'm in Africa doing the work of Jesus Christ. And it just brought me to tears because that's not part of my plan before Christ but I encountered him and everything changed. Everything has changed. That's why we have to know him. It's not enough to just confess that he's Lord. That's the starting place. But now let me know you, God. You can read in the scripture, every Uh, man of God that the Lord used that's their driving desire is to know him when I got saved I just I I just was reading the scripture four or five hours a day I prayed two three hours a day right because I just I wanted to know God because there's no way that I can sit in that young adult service and this man preach exactly what I'm mixed up in I'm ready to fight people like, who told him? I've been set up. Someone's getting punched in the mouth when we get up out of here. And it dawned on me, I, none of these people know me. And I said, that has to be God. And I remember praying a prayer of salvation. And the, the, the spirit of God coming because I, I lived in anxiety. I, I really you'd never know it, but I lived in anxiety and fear and worry because I felt like man I'm supposed to live this great life, but I don't know how to do that And no one in my family has ever done it. So it's not like I can go ask somebody Right, and I'm not like now. Don't get me wrong. I'm an athlete, but I'm not a pro athlete You know what I'm saying? I'm not on that level so it's, it's not gonna happen through athletics And uh, I'm smart, but I'm not brilliant. So I don't know how this is going to happen. And I remember the night I got saved and all that anxiety just lifting off of me. It was gone. So it's like, I want to know him. And I'll spend the rest of my life getting to know him. And we should spend the rest of our lives pursuing knowledge of him through relationships. Not through a book and studying, but through experience. Let me put it this way, and I'm. I, I, I'll, I'll, let's close. Let's get ready to close. You, you can read something in a book, and it can be impactful. But then you can experience it, and it becomes yours. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right, like I, I can read about Bill's experience and I can know that and it can impact me, but it's not mine. When I walk through it and Jesus walks through it with me, that becomes mine. You can't take it from me, right? Like that's why for myself, you, you can't tell me that, that God doesn't exist, right? Well, you can't prove it. I, I can prove it. How can you prove it? Well, there's a kid named Josh, a young man named Josh, a young man named Josiah, a young woman named Hannah. There's a woman named Stacy Butler. God. Well, what, what's that got it? God spoke to me, said she was my wife. While she was pregnant with him, God showed me Hannah. I remember calling Stacy saying, Man, God, God showed me our son. He had like this long like curly hair it was like and and you know it was in a ponytail and this and so i'm thinking this whole time it's josh think about this josh is 21 hannah's 16 so the whole time i'm thinking this is josh we have josiah we have some miscarriages hannah comes hannah's about four and I'm looking at her one day while she's laying in her bed, because I always riled the kids up before I put on the bed. It used to drive Stacy nuts. And I'm riling her up. And, I, and I, when I looked at her, I was like, I got that deja vu thing, right? Like, whoa, like it was disorienting. And the Lord said, I showed you her while he was still in Stacy's womb. You can't tell me God doesn't exist. What I thought was my son actually was my daughter. So he was saying, not just this boy and not that boy, but this girl. God exists. And so you and I need to spend the rest of our lives getting to know him. In First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9, or Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 11. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit, will inherit the kingdom of God. Right? I guarantee every single person in this room was at least one of those at one point in time if not multiple. Verse 11 is where the power comes in. He says, as such were some of you, and I'll say all of us, were some of these things. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. In the what? The name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. That happens because you started at confession. You set your heart on doing the right thing. And you did not neglect the fellowship with your Lord and Savior. So as you partner with him, he said, here give me drunkenness. Give me homosexuality. Give me unrighteous anger. Give me covetedness. Give me your thief. Give that to me. Give your foul language to me. I'm going to give to you peace and righteousness and justification and redemption and forgiveness of sin. There's this great exchange that happens when we enter into relationship with Christ. He gets all of our mess as long as we're willing to let him have it. And we get all this goodness in, in, in response. That's a great exchange. But once again, to beat a dead horse, that doesn't happen if we don't seek and pursue to know Him. Fellowship. Fellowship with God and each other. Because your brothers and sisters in Christ who are sitting to the right and left, front and back of you can help you go deeper into relationship with Christ. That's why last year, draw near to me. Now this year, draw near to each other. Because two people, three people, 12 people, 120 people, 300 people pursuing Christ in partnership with him and one another can't be stopped. Right? So, Father, we pray that.